All right, welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Mike Russo, Anthony LaPanta coming to you on a beautiful, beautiful uh, Thursday night here in uh, Woodbury, Minnesota, the uh, best part of the uh, the best half of the Mississippi River. I I'm in favor say. of anything on the eastern half of town. Exactly. Uh, and we always get all these tweets all the time about, like, when are you coming on the east side, when are you coming on the east side? So thanks for Kowalski's for hosting us. And thanks to the hundred or so people that are out a here. Great this is, crowd. Yeah, I mean, by far our best crowd that we've done it. This is our third Kowalski show. Um, clearly these hundred people are wild fans and just hate the Vikings <laughs> or disinterested. We'll just say yeah. disinterested. Yeah. Or just know the Vikings are about to be, yeah, 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 they're they're about to be Oh, and two and just say, don't, uh, there's one person wearing a Viking sweaty sweatshirt. So, um, so we're here with, um, at Kowalski's and already we're getting some, uh, unbelievable food being passed around. Uh, looks like Turkey burger sliders. Um, we we're grilling steak. We got corn on the cob. Um, and this Minnesota is, grown turkeys, yeah, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we got shrimp that is, uh, from the Southwest part of the, the state. And, um, tell us about it, Troy. We're talking with Troy here, who is the meat director at Kowalski's. Yeah. As we, uh, get ready to head back to, to school in the fall, we, we start celebrating Minnesota grown. Obviously the fall harvest is in, is in full swing. Um, so we wanted to just highlight some of the great Minnesota uh, producers that we work with. So our first round of samples, we're passing out our turkey burgers. Those turkeys are grown on a small family farm down in Cannon Falls, Minnesota. Uh, 100% of the fresh ground turkey that we sell comes out of the state of Minnesota, and we're really proud to support the Peterson family. Um, but it also wouldn't be a Worst Seats podcast without steak. Yeah, yeah, so of course. Luke over here is going to be growing up some Akushi ribeyes and New York strips. And we'll get those passed out in a little bit. Anybody that wants to can get a, a ear of corn back there from Max. We'll figure out how to get that passed out. Um, and then we'll finish with some shrimp that are actually indoor grown down in Balaton, Minnesota. Uh, about two and a half hours southwest of here. Uh, really, really cool product. And we'll be doing some samples of that as well. So uh, you, so uh, so just so I understand, so you and Luke are at the grills. Did Anthony just give up after you embarrassed him last uh, show? That, that was a couple shows ago. Well, yeah, I, I think that's. I been, raised the white flag. Yeah. I knew when I was beaten. I think that's been blown a little bit out of proportion. We all know how good. <laughs> I don't it. think so. No, you don't. Well, no. that doesn't surprise me. You don't think so, but right. No, just because I'm the one blowing it out of proportion. Is <laughs> yeah, that what you're well, yeah. Insinuating? No, I, I would never do that. I uh, I have stolen a couple of your ideas from that night at Kowalski's in Shoreview, though. The well, first of all, I showed up and he said, well, "What do you need to grill the steaks?" And I said, "I just need salt and pepper and maybe a little olive oil." And he came out with Amish butter and some fresh thyme and had some salt and pepper stuff, but also, if I remember right, a little garlic and the the sauce you made. I don't call it a sauce really, but drizzled over the top yeah. was unbelievable. And that Amish butter has been a game changer in my house. That's the only kind of butter we use now. Yeah, that's another Minnesota product. So, yeah, we definitely weren't trying to show anybody up, but uh, that is one of the techniques that works really good, and I'm glad you liked it. Troy and Kowalski's, for those who, I don't know if the people, most people are probably aware, we had, uh, we had raffled off six people to come to dinner at our house last Sunday night uh, when we did a podcast over in Sicily. So we had 35 people on the trip. Hey, we'd just love to get an invite to Sunday dinner. Well, I would have loved to have had the whole tour, but we couldn't do 35. So we drew six names and we talked to Troy and asked if Kowalski's could help us out with the steaks for the night. And they were unbelievable. unbelievable. We had, we had the 40 day aged center cut ribeyes yep. and then had a little, uh, a little, uh, prime Aku or not Akushi, the Spinalis as a sampler for the rest of the 
for everybody. The spinalis was unbelievable. It was unreal. Yeah, yeah that's the uh, that's the best piece of the the, the whole steak. Would have been a little better if you grilled it, but no. No, yeah. I don't believe that. <laughs> no, but those the center cut ribeyes are are really good too, and kind of a nice portion size. We there was a multi course dinner, so we didn't need a a full big ribeye for everybody. Nobody left hungry, but it was the rest of the meal also came from Kowalski's. But it, we want to thank Kowalski's for. Helping us out with the steaks that night. It was unbelievable. Well, we want to thank you guys and all all the listeners for coming out tonight. It's a great night, perfect night to do this. And Man, perfect we're happy night. happy to have you. Yeah. Where, do you guys get the corn from a specific spot, or is that, I mean, it, obviously it's Minnesota, I know, but is, it, is there one specific farm with whom you work? Yeah, just one single farm uh, called, uh, well, Jerry Untied owns the farm, Untied Farms. Uh, they're out in the Waverly-Montrose area. And a fun fact about the corn is uh, Untied Family supplies the Minnesota State Fair with all the corn. Oh, wow. oh, is that right? And it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 75,000 ears oh. a day. Wow. Now, I have uh, a question for you about that. Maybe you don't have the answer, but there, when I walked by their the corn cob booth there, they had a big, huge cardboard tower that asked people to recycle the corn cobs. How is that possible? Like, what? Is, how can you, you can't reuse them. I imagine it's just going to compost, but I, I guess I don't have an answer to that either. I just thought recycled, it, it might, <laughs> was a little unsettling, thinking yeah. this was a, a corn from another ear of corn at some point. We can maybe get an answer. Our, our produce buyer, so my counterpart in produce, uh, is the one that roasted all the corn, Max. Max Mattis is back there. Say, say hi, Max. Uh, he doesn't know either. <laughs> he doesn't know either. And there's a chance that Anthony is getting the facts no, wrong. No, no, no. It, it honestly said, it said recycle your corn cobs right here. Yeah, but they probably use it for something else. I they understand don't use that. It. I didn't yeah, think make, they, like, stapled the corn back onto saying, it. I was yeah. saying, that's why I was there's asking a, you the You can question. recycle anything these days, Anthony. <laughs> Just Google it. Just, you could Google it. Yeah, I, I'd rather ask questions about it. Yeah. All right, uh, so everybody, uh, Troy, thanks for coming out. We're going to have you back on here toward the end of the show. We'll let you get back to your uh, your to grilling. And um, and so Troy is actually based at the Woodbury Kowalski's, but you are the uh, meat director for all Kowalski's, which is, uh, this to me is uh, one of the nicest Kowalski's that I, uh, this is my home Kowalski. Yeah, this is the flagship. Yep, I'm here a lot, run into a bunch of friends all the time here. And, you know, the one thing I noticed, though, is that um, you have two pictures of Anthony and I that were from like 20 years ago. So <laughs> we appreciate We both appreciate that uh, on the posters. Um, the turkey so, burgers are terrific, by the way. Um, so, again, welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Uh, our next live show is September 21st at the Elsie's at 7 p.m. in Northeast Minneapolis. A huge parking lot there. We've gotten some incredible crowds there. And one big reason why it'd be uh, really cool if you came down to that show is that's the first day of training camp. So Anthony and I will have a ton to talk about from stuff that we actually uh, tangibly see on the ice for the first time since uh, early May, uh, rather than making a lot of stuff up here pretty much the last like four months. Yeah. Well, since the free agency period ended, which was a <laughs> not exactly the most prolific in terms of activity for the wild. Anyway, there just hasn't been anything really happening other yeah. than Philip Gustafson getting signed. So I, everybody's anxious to get going. The, the prospect tournament this weekend will be the, the first step toward it. But I think it's just a uh, fans everywhere we go. It, people, everybody's asking now, can we get going? Are we ready to get going? Just can't wait for the season to get started. And you and I are certainly in that same boat. Yeah. And uh, the Tom Curver's rookie showcase prospect showcase, uh, started yesterday. Uh, all the kids are in town today. They had a big bunch of team bonding stuff. 
Um, tomorrow, the Wild play the St. Louis Blues. Uh, the day this podcast comes out, actually on Friday, uh, the Wild play the St. Louis Blues at 7 p.m. Right, I think. And um, and Saturday, the Chicago Blackhawks come to town. Uh, they'll play the St. Louis Blues at 6 p.m. down at uh, Tree Rink, and then uh, the uh, Blackhawks and the Wild play on Sunday at 3 p.m. A uh, Connor Bedard show and. You know, I was just out in Vegas for the um, NHL media tour. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, you know, I was at the one in Sweden uh, with a lot of the European athletes uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. And this one, we got 29 players, uh, which was pretty awesome. And one of the players was Connor Bedard. And I asked him point blank, like, why are you coming? Like, there's no way the Blackhawks want him to take part in this. They lost Kirby Doc in an exhibition at World Juniors a couple years ago. And it, I mean, he's not been the same player since, quite frankly. But he basically said, I'm no different than any of the other rookies. I want to be here and I'm playing. Which what great what a great way to start. Yeah. What a message to send. And if he seems like the type of guy, the comparisons have all been to Connor McDavid with how ready for the NHL he is, what a can't miss mm -hmm. type player he is. And McDavid was a captain at a really young age, and it's that kind of stuff that tells you that this guy is going to be something special, not just as a talent, but also as a as a leader for his team. And in the last couple of weeks, Connor McDavid and Connor Bedard, I've actually uh, worked out together. And I asked, you know, the, the one thing that Bedard said the other day is that he's, he's got to think that everybody here is getting tired. of, him. You know, he's like, I'm tired of hearing myself. I'd be tired of listening to me. And I asked Connor McDavid that yesterday because Connor Bedard is the most hyped prospect in the NHL since McDavid. And I asked McDavid, you know, fellow number one pick, what that is like. I mean, you deal with that, this, this hype for four or five years since you're 14, 15, 16, years old up until 18 you got the whole draft thing that going to the Stanley Cup final all the hype of going to Chicago one of the biggest markets in the NHL and now this and he he said he's like there just comes a point where you just want to play you want to show that you're really this player and I think that's what Bedard's mentality is at right now he just wants to show everybody and maybe even interested in himself is he going to be able to immediately make an impact at the NHL level the way that a lot of us expect that he is going to yeah and it's a He's not exactly jumping into the most skilled lineup, but they did make some additions in the offseason, and I don't think the addition of Taylor Hall is any small thing. You've got another guy who was a number one overall pick, can certainly help him with some of those challenges to expectations, to what happens the first time he goes four games without a point, and people start asking, is he for real? And It's, it's unfair, but you know what's going to happen. I'm sure that that will help his development as a rookie. I was talking to Matty Beniers, who won the rookie of the year last year. And this talk about a rookie class this year, like last year it was, it was good, but not like this. It's, this is not just Bedard. Bedard is not a guarantee to just win the Calder. You know, you got Fantilli, you got, um, you got Logan Cooley, you got um, Marco Rossi, uh, you know, Brock Faber. I mean, there's just a ton of guys right now in the league. I'm forgetting a thousand of them. Um, that, that could easily at the end of the day be there. And this is, I think, going to be a really good class. Yeah, when we were talking to scouts about this draft class, they were talking about that there might be as many as five or six, seven guys that are ready to jump right into the NHL. We'll have to wait to see if that happens. But that there were as many as 15 that were within a year of being ready, where a lot of times it might just be the top four or five and everybody else is a couple seasons away of college hockey or junior hockey, wherever they're headed. But with this class, they've been talking about it for a long time, that it was as deep with NHL-ready talent as any draft that scouts could remember. So we'll see if that turns out to be true. And as is always the case, the guys who are these high picks aren't stepping into 
highly successful franchises. That's why they're picking in the top 10 yeah. picks for the most part. And we'll so have to see. There's some pressure that comes with that and some growing pains. Yeah. Scott, it's so funny you said it because uh, one of the players I talked to this week was Adam Fox, and we were talking about Lafreniere and all the stress on this kid and everybody already talking that he's a bust. But the reality is, and Fox pointed this out, that most number one picks don't go to the New York Rangers that you have your left wings in front of you being Panarin and Kreider. Like just by basis of that, when he went there, he was, he was a step behind every number one pick because he's immediately going to be on the third or fourth line. He's not getting on the number one power play. And I think that, that it has probably stunted his development, but yet you look at it and he's only 21 years old. And that's, there've been so many people out there in that market's probably unfair too, with a little bit more of a microscope on you than most, but, yeah, we were out there. They were talking about whether or not they'd just deal him and give up on him. And it's you're talking about a guy who was a number one overall pick two years ago. Yeah, um, without a doubt. So Boldy was out there, um, and Boldy in these in these scenarios, he's another one that's just he, there's some a humility there. Um, but we both know that he had this great regular season last year, but but did not finish the way that he wanted to, or any or the Wild wanted to him to, or the fans wanted him to. Yeah, right. in the playoffs, right? Because he was exactly. great down the stretch, and remember that the stretch late in the season I thought was even more significant because it came when Kirill was out, and it showed that he could be the guy that could step up and carry the offense, not just as a under the radar guy behind Kaprizov, but rather the guy, the guy they were leaning on to score, and he scored twenty three points in twenty games, and that coincided with when Johansson arrived, but. I thought that stretch was as indicative of anything that he did last year is that he's ready to be to take the next step as a scorer in the NHL. Before we get back to uh, to the team now, let's just go a little bit back to the rookie camp. Or anybody? Other, I mean, obviously, Valstad's here. I think one really cool piece of news right off the hop here is that Kyle Masters, who had the injury in the World Juniors, is on the ice in full participation. I think there was a lot of worry that he would not be ready for training camp. He absolutely is going to be. And um, is there any intrigue for you on what you're going to see on the ice this week at rookie camp? Because for me, it is the, it is the defenseman that we're going to see in Iowa this year. It's the Lambuses and the O'Rourke's and the Hunts and the Johansons and the Masters and the Spatchicks. That's going to be your top six D in Iowa. All six of those guys are capable of eventually playing in the NHL. They all are definitely not going to be able to all play here. They're going to, a couple of them might have to be moved at some point, but from my standpoint, that's what I'm going to be looking at in the next, uh, you know, two or three days. Anything that you're really excited about? See, Wallstead's number one for me, and this won't be the end all be all with what we see from him in this. But I'm really anxious to see him throughout camp. And then I think it is the defenseman because one of those guys, if not more, is going to be in Minnesota at some point this season. I think without a doubt, just through injuries or opportunity. And I think you have to find out. If those guys, how close those guys are, and if they're ready, I think the team's going to be really limited with some of the other moves they can make over the course of the year. This is where their depth has to come. It has to come from one of those guys. Absolutely. Um, again, we have a, a uh, microphone up here. Anybody that has any questions at any point in the show, uh, you're or more anybody than that's to come tried up. the corn already. Yeah, the can corn, come so up the corn on a, the cob is going around right now. We already got some, a lot of thumbs up uh, coming from the crowd. A uh, pretty good. Fantastic, we're told from the crowd. I really am amazed at how many people are here. I, 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 we, we both uh, really, really appreciate it. Um, well, of course, we'll try it. I'm sure, that'll sound good. Thank on, you so much on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I guarantee you, you won't eat it. 
Maybe not. Um, <laughs> but I bet I bet that little little kid there would like too. You're more than welcome to that. Um, all right, so let's talk about the team coming up here. Uh, you know, training camp. You know, Hang on, I'm going to try the corn. Okay. So we, so we, you know, the biggest thing with training camp coming up, in my opinion, is is and <laughs> it's funny because. Joe and I were discussing Joe Smith from my colleague from the athletic. We were discussing what we we're going to write for, you know, what are your biggest questions going into training camp? And usually when you do this, you're like, what are the roster battles? What are this and that? And the reality is just like this summer, everything's sort of set. We know the lines going into camp. They're going to be obviously be tweaked, but we know the lines. We know the D we know the roster battles. We know they have no cap space to probably even have a 13 forward on their team to start the season. Um, so from an intrigue from camp, it's really just trying to pick up where they left off in the regular season. Yeah, I think there's intrigue with Rossi mm-hmm. and how he looks, how he looks like he'll fit in. I think that line is one to watch in camp. Sounds like he's going to start with Goudreau and Felino, And with that, there's some intrigue. Will those guys, will he fit with those guys? Will they be a, a productive third line? I think the, there's some intrigue to see Brock Faber. How will he fit playing full-time next to Jonas Brodeen? So there's a couple things to watch. And, yeah, there aren't, the, there aren't eight roster battles for whether or not this guy or that guy is going to make the team. But I think those are, those are some significant questions for this team heading into the season. Absolutely. By the way, if you're listening at home or you're listening here in the studio audience, uh, tweet me tomorrow because I'm doing a, a Q&A with Dean Evison. Uh, so let me know any questions that you, that you would like me to uh, throw Dean Evison's way. Uh, feel free to to throw that at me, and uh, and I might add, include that in the Q and A that is likely going to run uh, Monday. You talk to Dean um, a lot. You see him a lot on the golf course. Um, we we both know that Ryan Hartman is going to start with Kirill Caprice, Ivan Zuccarello, and Eric Snack is going to start with uh, Boldy and Johansson. Um, so that leaves Felino with Rossi and and Goudreau to start. Do you see though a point even without injuries that in training camp that we are going to see Rossi move up in the lineup, or you think that they're going to slow play this a bit? I think he has to earn it. If he looks really good, I think maybe there'll be a spot where you at least give him a, a game or a period where he plays with some of the other guys just to see how he fits. If he looks the part, mm-hmm. I don't think anything is going to be handed to him. And if he looks like a guy who's going to be fighting to make the roster, then no. But if he looks like a guy who well, he looks stronger, he looks quicker, he looks more engaged, he looks like his battle level is higher then maybe, because I do think they want to find out if he can be that guy. And long term, you it, at least you think that he has a higher upside than some of these other guys that were comparing him to him. A guy like Ryan Hartman, who was a first round pick as well, but he wasn't a top ten pick. And I think the hope would be that Rossi's offensive ceiling might be higher, and Hartman could help you in a lot of other roles too. But I, I got to believe that's where you start and let Rossi play his way up there. And we, I do see Dean quite a bit, and I'm lucky enough to get included in his golf outings, but we don't talk a lot about the line combinations. Mm-hmm. It's more about wind and slope of the green and a lot of other things. Right. Right. Um, we had a big golf tourney today, just down the road. Yeah, here. Tell right? me about that. You know who told me about that on my way here? No, my mom. Is that right? It's like Anthony played golf today with Wes walls and Mark Parrish. And I didn't recognize anybody else in the picture. Yeah. They were all of our other Valley sports guys. We had so a great who's day. Who's in it? It was Tim Laudner. Uh, Justin Morneau, Mark Parrish, Jim Peterson, Wes Walls. Glenn Perkins was supposed to be a part of it, but he injured his thumb in a home remodeling project, so he had to scratch. So we added our executive producer and a sales manager from Bally's that 
joined us. We had four two-man teams, but great day at the Royal, unbelievable track, and pin placements were hellaciously tough. But Justin Morneau finished with a birdie and an eagle on the last two holes to win it for his team. Wes Walls and I finished third out of four, so that was not good. But it was fun. And it's just so much fun to get all those guys together. These are guys I work with. I don't work with Jim Peterson with the Wolves that much anymore, but I used to. And to find a time when in between the schedules of these teams that we could get this crew out on the course together is, was, is rare, but it was really fun. Between Jim Peterson and Tim Lawner, I think there were cigars on the course today. There were cigars on the course in that group. I played with those guys on the first nine, and then the back nine. They were a team, so the back nine, they were playing with somebody else. And Lodge just likes to chew on his, never lights it. Yeah, Jim I know. Pete it's has crazy. His, has his lit. And, and Jim Peterson's the only guy who just like looks at you over the top of the cart instead of <laughs> around it or through it like everybody else. Yeah. But it was fun. Lodz is a great golfer. He's the low handicapper of the yeah. bunch. And it's just, they're a great group of guys. I have a lot of fun working with them. I've learned a lot about these sports from these guys. And it was fun to get them all together and go out there and play. Yep. And Royal uh, is the host of the Wilds uh, charity golf tournament on Monday. On Monday. Right. Yeah. By the way, you shouldn't make fun of uh, of thumb injuries. I, I had an injured thumb for for an entire year after playing spike ball. Yeah, that's right. So you probably nine one one call. I'm sure it was. It was. Speaking of, did you pay attention to the uh, the uh, hacking thing that went just went on in Vegas while there? It's still going on. Absolute mayhem. No. So MGM. Uh, did you make it through the trip without going to the emergency room? I did, Anthony. Your calf didn't hurt during the interviews actually, or the anything? Actually, the calf is hurting. <laughs> I, it is actually. Like hurt your thumb hitting a pen top thing? Yeah. You're able to throw away your garbage on the plane? Don't you think that we plane? should have Anthony go cook? <laughs> I mean, like, you did, this is a guy who had to, like, Anthony, maybe he almost should. had the plane have to land because he had pinched his finger in a garbage can in the bathroom. Dude, it was a bloodbath. Um... <laughs> I think you should maybe, uh, Luke, you should have him put his head in the uh, grill to see if it's hot. Anything? <laughs> Chest test the temperature. Um, so, uh, so MGM just had this crazy hacking thing where they're, they got cyber attacked and it is mayhem there. Like slot machines out. People couldn't get into their rooms uh, to like hit their flights. There have been like five or 600 people online every time I walk through an MGM trying to check into rooms. Um, and it's still a mess. And then it comes out that Caesars actually was like hacked a couple or, or was threatened to be hacked like a couple of months ago or were hacked and paid millions and ransom, but kept it a secret. And it's just been an absolute, uh, crazy, crazy, uh, time there. So I finally, yeah, there's got a fire truck just in case we've got any grill issues. That's comes yeah. in handy. Yeah. They saw the smoke and yeah. just came down here. Um, so yeah, that was, that was absolutely, uh, bonkers being out there for that. And luckily I stayed at a Marriott, so I didn't have to deal with that this trip. Well, that's a big deal with the, if you got slot machines and yeah, stuff, they now couldn't pay out. Oh my God. It was, it was, I, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, people literally like they had, they had like workers in the elevators because the phones are out. So they didn't, you know, if people get stuck in the elevators, there was no way I, it was, an, I've never seen anything like it. And it's, we're talking every MGM property there, which is. Basically, half the strip casinos. Uh, it was it was a zoo, absolute zoo. Get ready for unbeatable home comfort. Say hello to Aquarius Home Services' fresh fall blowout sale. 
Dive into their amazing 25% discount on a complete whole home heating and cooling system or a whole home Connecticut water treatment system. Whether it's upgrading your old furnace and air conditioner or elevating your home's water quality, Aquarius is always your answer. Whether your water is city-based or from a well, they have the solution. And you've been toying with the idea of upgrading your heating and cooling system. Well, don't wait any further. Grab this one-time offer before Minnesota's relentless winter hits and you know it's coming. Their high-efficiency furnaces bring not just premium comfort, but also financial benefits. Don't miss out on this chance for the ultimate home upgrade and substantial 25% off savings. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. How are you? What's your name? I'm doing great. My Thanks. name is Mark. Thanks I'm for coming Invergrove. out. Yeah. yeah, it's great to see you guys for the first yeah. time. Maple Grove. Invergrove. Oh, Invergrove. Yep. Yeah. All right. That makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I just had a quick question. It, it seems like the wild are always this endless search to find a great center. And I was just wondering um, if you just, which one would you think would be the best way or the most likely way to get that great center? Trading, free agency, or bracket? Probably bracket, but yeah. Um, they almost are impossible to find in the trade market. There's no, once you have them, nobody's trading them. Yep. And the teams that have them, if you look around, almost all of them were drafted. They had fortunate spots in the draft the year they came out where it's not like the Blackhawks uncovered magic when they drafted Jonathan Taves. They, they had a pick in the top three and everybody in the league would have taken them. Same with McDavid, same with Matthews. I mean, the, the teams that have them had a pick in the top three or four at the right time, almost without exception. Uh, yeah. So I just had one last question following that. So um, why doesn't seem the why can't the Wild seem to find a uh, develop uh, a great center? And that's my last question. Well, I mean, that, uh, just I mean, back to what uh, you at your first question or what Anthony was saying. I mean, they, they you can acquire them. The problem is is that every single one of them has something that is. A potential problem for the wild, like take Pierre Luc Dubois, they just couldn't afford him. You know, uh, Mark Shifley can't afford. Um, you know, so right now they're at that point where, to your original question, they're going to probably have to wait at a minimum two more years until the cap, uh, their cap crunches up, and then go out and look at it. Um, the problem is to now your second question, I think, is partially what Anthony just said: is the wild never get to really pick up there? Um, you know, now you could look at Rossi. And say, all right, could they have taken Jarvis? Could they have taken Perfetti? Um, could they have taken Lundell? Not all of them are playing center at the NHL, but all three went back to back to back, essentially right after Rossi, and all are functioning really well at the NHL. Like if the Wild had Perfetti or Jarvis or Anton Lundell right now, it'd be. But I don't think you look at Cole Perfetti and say he's a franchise number one center. Right. No, I, I I don't disagree there, but I think I don't you, think Lundell looks like a franchise number one center, and those are the guys the Wild have been looking for. I mean, Lundell is I, I don't know that I'd look at him and say he's a better all around center than Jules Eriksson Ek. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the guys you're talking about are the franchise changers that the, the true number one guy and those guys, they just aren't, there aren't very many of them out there. And just the last follow up. So I guess what I'm trying to ask as far as development, you, if you have some good centers mm-hmm. in your system or can't they be developed into becoming great? Or is that just not going to well, happen? Well, I, I think so. I mean, but I mean, still a player skill set is a player skill set. I don't think that you're suddenly going to turn somebody into a star. Now, look, uh, um, who was I just with in Vegas? It's just amazing. They were a seventh round pick and you look at them now. Um, well, even just like a Parson and the kid from Nashville, it's going to be an absolute stud. Um, you, know, you know, I think I think you can. But the Wild have never been in those positions uh, where they've gotten those type of players. Now, could who's not enough? come over here and maybe be that, that one we'll see. Um, but again, a lot of times when you pick as late as the wild do, you know, you're getting who's not enough in the second round. Well, what's his biggest flaw? You look at him, he's five, nine. Um, so there's always where the wild pick, it just always does seem to be that flaw. You know, now some teams get lucky and they find the Patrice Bergeron's and the Kucherov's who's not a center, but you, you get my drift. Um, the Wilder, you know, got lucky with a guy like Kaprizov drafting him in the fifth round. If they knew, they would have drafted him in the first. So, um, so, but I mean, look, there's, I, I, I get the questions. Trust me. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a frustrating thing. You can thing. win without a, right. without a game changing number one center, but you, most of the teams that have done it have done it because they have probably three of what you'd call a second line center. And but, you can win with center yeah. depth that doesn't have to be that guy at the top. Yeah. I think this is, it's extremely, not to add external pressure, but that's my job is, but I think it's extremely important to, for this organization that Rossi is a heck of a player because then you do start to say, all right, you know, look, you can't always just say he missed a year and use that as an excuse for the rest of his career. There comes, and that's why I partially think that it's important that they do put him in a position to play in the top six role and let's see what they have there because if yeah, he does not, well, that's going to come. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to give up on the guy without ever seeing that, but he has to earn it. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they're going to hand it to him. And I agree with you. It's not like Rossi was with pick 29. I mean, he was in the top 10. Yeah. When you have a pick in the top 10, you need to get a really good player. Yep. And doesn't necessarily have to be a Hall of Fame guy, but he's got to be a really good player. And, uh, you know, it does feel like the Wild sometimes. They just, it's like you look at Kyle Masters, he has the injury. Right now, Ogren's got a significant back injury. It's just it does seem like they have, they always seem to um, you know get some bad luck when it comes to their prospects. I'm looking at this grapeseed oil. Um, do you want to ask Troy since you ask questions like the corn how they turn grape seeds into oil? How well, do they, how do you, Troy? How do they, how do they turn almonds into milk? They, they just they smash them up. That's but that. Wait, you, you smash almonds and you get milk out of it? Yeah. Who came up with they that? Grind them up. We watched, actually. Uh, That's a lot of almonds. No, we watched. Uh, uh, Margo makes cashew milk at home. Really? Yeah. Just milk? Like, yeah, you like smash it into a paste, and then I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what she does after that, but it turns into milk. Nice. Who's going to the <laughs> Trample by Turtle show this weekend, by the way? Yeah, I see some uh, hands. That's awesome. Nice. Question. So I'm going to ask, I wanted the perspective of a professional I feel like you've journalist. been to every quality show, right? Mm, two. You were at the one at the Uptown one. I know uh, that. We were the one in the car. Yeah, watching it. I remember that. Not the car that had no doors and windows, were you? No, we had doors No, and but they did yeah. watch from, it was like a drive-in movie. Film. Yeah, yeah. it was a little sketchy. So 
Well, not him. No, the, no, no. The, the car you? that had no doors or windows that yeah. was parked right in front of us. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, again, I want the perspective of a professional journalist. I guess the broad question is, why should I trust anything that is reported on a podcast like Spitting Chicklets? Like, on the uh, one you hand, shouldn't. Well, on right. the one hand, you I understand mm-hmm. that there are former players, and then, you know, if they're breaking news based on information mm-hmm. provided by a current player, they might be mm-hmm. comfortable. At the same time, they blurred a line between what could be factual yeah. and what isn't, and yeah. they don't really defend their positions either without, you know, calling my back. Babcock, just a weirdo in general. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and then maybe we might yeah. need some background information because I did not know about this until I listened to Thirty Two Thoughts, and they glossed over it by basically by saying, "You probably already know about this, so we're not going to, you know, dive into details of what the allegations are and why it's a big deal." Uh-huh. So, all right, so uh, all right, uh, we're going to open up a can of worms here, but um, and I, I do think that Anthony and I are going to have a lot of disagreements on this whole topic in general, but. Um, that would be I shocking. I don't think that you could just discount your original question with Bizonet is that you can't just say, all right, yeah, he's not a journalist. Okay. But I don't think that you could just completely, and, and he didn't break the story or confirm it like a journalist and all that type of stuff. But trust me when I tell you that, um, that there are players in Columbus that were absolutely weirded out by this situation. And this is not going away. This is a major problem right now. The NHLPA and the NHL, after initially just calling it a misconception, are now in Columbus trying to get to the bottom of, of why he does this. And Mike Babcock, because of his history of, um, of I'm trying to also be a little careful here because we got kids in the audience, but, but because of his history of not exactly being the greatest coach uh, and most caring coach for young players in the past um, has put himself in a position where there are so many people in this league that don't like him in terms of players that I think people are excitedly trying to out him on every weird thing that he does. This one's bizarre to me. I would not want to sit there in a meeting with him and have him go through my phone. And it's none of his business to see pictures of my family. And I don't believe that Mike Babcock actually cares about that. Okay. I think it's a way of, again, making players feel uncomfortable. Clearly players felt uncomfortable there because this got out. Um, and so um, I'm telling you right now, this is not going away. I've heard from players in the last couple of days that aren't, that say this is not a normal thing. And this is something that has been going around in the league with Mike in the past. And it does bother players. And so from a, you know, what, what you asked about professional journalists, there, there's no newspaper or athletic or whatever in the country that would have just written it off based off one anonymous text. Um, and then the way that was characterized too was, you know, obviously bordering on, you know, um, not bordering. I mean, the way it was characterized too was, was probably inappropriate. Um, but, and the other thing I will agree with you is that, that like, I can't imagine the league was happy because he is a TNT analyst too. So this wasn't just a player podcast and trust me, there have been a lot of player podcasts that, that are just, it's, it's a play, it's a player podcast. Players go on there and say stuff they would never say to us. Look how many players have gone on these podcasts lately. That one, Tori Mitchell trashing Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi. The, uh, Andy Strickland and Cam Jansen in St. Louis. Uh, Jason Arnott going on there and trashing Ryan Suter. I mean, this is stuff that would never be given to us. And so they look at it from that standpoint. What's different with Biz is that, Biz, and I'm friends with Biz, so like full disclosure here, I'm friends with him. Um, uh, you know, but 
I, I do wonder if the league was not happy just also based on that. He's not just a podcaster. This is somebody that is that they probably have hold to a little bit of a higher standard. You certainly would hope they hold them to a higher standard. And I know that they were trying to create an edgy show that Mm -hmm. along the lines of what they have with their TNT basketball show. But the difference with that is number one, the culture in the NBA is different. And number two, those guys go on there. They very rarely are saying things like that. Like this guy's pissed about this. They're more of just calling a player out for what they saw on the court and saying, this isn't good enough or that's not good enough or you can't do this. And, and they, I just think it's different in the, in the NHL, it's a little bit more of a guarded Mm -hmm. way of life. I'd say guys say less because they're just more careful about making sure that they know it to be fact before they say it, you know, back to the whole Babcock thing. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, he's a very interesting guy. I mean, he's one, everybody looks at him as one of the greatest coaches that's ever coached in the sport. Um, but he has done some really crummy things. I mean, the, what, what he did to Mitch Marner and things like that in Toronto is just so inappropriate. And I just think to, you know, there's, there's a, an old schoolness to him that I'm sure it's also to make players a little unsteady. And I would not want, it's none of your, I wouldn't want my boss at the athletic to pull me into an office and be like, All right, well, you know, sh- show me pictures of your, uh, your family, your kids, your wife, your, your, uh, you know, your parents, your, your, I mean, that is n- none yeah, of his business. I, and see, let, I kind of look through. at it the other way. If I was sitting and, and my boss said, you yeah, know, you know, where are you from? What's your, I, I would have no problem if, yeah. if I, if he wanted to see a picture of my yeah. family, I do, it wouldn't bother me at all. So that's why I'm saying like it. It, there may have been a guy that it bothered, but there it may not have. But I don't care if seventy five percent were completely fine with it. If it made twenty five percent uncomfortable, it should not happen. And I think the bigger issue here with Mike Babcock is it sure feel, felt to me like an unnecessary hire. Like I, I, don't, I agree with you that. Know, and I just but think I, that, I just want to go back to one of the yeah. remember the statement that Bissonette made was. He made, he took guys' phones and rifled through their personal photos. Well, yeah. that's, that's very different than the way feeling been, yeah. uncomfortable yeah. by being asked to show him yeah. pictures of your family. I mean, that's, if, you know, if the way it was reported turns out to be true, yeah. he should be fired tomorrow. Yeah. I, if, I, you know, the only thing I'll say is that the way that I'm understanding it, and again, this is, this is, this is again, something I probably shouldn't say on the podcast as a reporter. But the way that I'm I'm hearing from players is that he was pulling people in and saying, show it to me, like on the spot, not like, hey, send me stuff to throw on a big board. We could go all talk about your family. And so if I'm pulled into an office and be like, show me your phone. Well, you know what? I won't say it because they got two really wonderful. Yeah, and you've been beeped on every show we've done. Yeah, but today I'm showing years. my maturity. Right. You know, but you know what I would say to him? Like, get, get out, you know, and. Well, plus you have to pry it out of your hand because your phone would be in your hand. And everybody, everybody, like, you know, I love Yarmo Kikaline. I love John Davidson. I love, you know, their PR department, everybody in there. But the problem originally when they hired Mike Babcock is that there are so many players in the league that do not like him, that there's just people that are going to be jumping out of the woodwork to do what Mike Commodore and Paul Bizanet and Ryan Whitney have done in the last two days. And, um, and the Commodore stuff, by the way, is, is similar. I mean, on his podcast, uh, now these people have long been outspoken against, um, Babs, but 
they're not the only ones. Clearly that there are players in this league that are like going right to the bat phone to text these guys to out him on everything. And I think that is going to continue. And that's what Columbus, who has tripped over itself for 22 years um, to try to get to even, you know, we all look here in Minnesota. Sometimes fans like this team's had no success. All this team does every single year is make the playoffs. Right. Look what Columbus happened. has done less. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I just don't understand. The hire was strange for yeah. that reason, for sure. Yeah. And that's, that I think is what was at the root of all this for me was yeah. it sounded like people that had a feeling that other stories would come out if they started the snowball rolling down the hill. And that, that I think is irresponsible. How about that shrimp? The shrimp was terrific. It was the, tr- and the steak was awesome. Nice. I'll have to give that a try. Um, it, it was Troy still out here. Troy, what'd you put on the shrimp? Well, we'll get it as he walks over here. We'll, we'll find out. But I, the, the hire was weird too. I mean, even anytime you hire a guy where you have to wait until his suspension is over to announce it is, it seems like it's a strange time to hire a guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so hundred percent, um, I'm glad, I'm glad we're in agreement on that one. Yeah. Uh, Troy, yeah. you want to come on up? Nice. How, what'd you guys think of the shrimp? That's awesome, wasn't it? Minnesota grown yeah, yeah. shrimp. You don't think you don't think fresh seafood in Minnesota uh, together very often, but that company is doing some really really cool things. Uh, the company is called True Shrimp, and actually they have a um, with the shells that they they devein, they peel and devein all the shrimp, and the shells get made into a product that's actually uh, has a military application that they use for dressing wounds. Really? So yeah, really cool company. Wow, I have kind of an itchy arm. I wonder if the shrimp. Shells could help me. Shrimp peel. So, in other words, we're we're going to recycle the shrimp shells too, just like the corn cobs. cobs. Yeah, next time I hurt my thumb, I can use. So the uh, you might need to get some. Yeah, right. Mike, we'll carry it around. Do you know that when I uh, so when I um uh moved out here on the east side and moved into my home, my uh, housewarming gift from the Lapantas was the first aid kit. (laughs) (laughs) Have you have you used it? No, I I have had to get some band aids. (laughs) Margo asked me when you were moving in if. She thought, like, what should we get them? A wine rack, and said, you know, sometimes first-time homeowners like that they need a some basic tools. And I said, Margo, if we bought Michael Russo a set of tools, that there would not be a gift that would be used less ever. I thought about just buying a Fisher Price one, just to you know, my first hammer kind of thing, and so we went with the first aid kit instead because we thought that would probably get more use. That's true. Do you own a tool set, Michael? it's not an exaggeration when i say when he lived in his condo he had to call the super to come in and change a light bulb for him it was a high bulb it but it was very unnerving when they left me a bill for 15 dollars and the description was change light bulb (laughs) i thought they could have said at least my room is dark well we came in and fixed it for you michael yeah yeah steak awesome shrimp awesome corn on the cob i assume awesome um turkey burger amazing so uh yeah thanks troy for for um, for doing this as always, by the way, our next Kowalski is uh, one out here is going to be on January 5th. So, uh, right, right <laughs> just, here, right, right here. We, right we got one last thing too. Yeah. Everybody that's here is going to be able to take some corn and apples home. Max in the back there. We're going to, we're going to bag up some to go bags for everybody. Oh, wow. nice. And where, where do you get the apples? The is apples it... come from Jerry's farm as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. gotta be almost Harrelson season, right? I believe so. Those are my favorites. Real but close. I... Max said, all right. Well, yep. Thank you very much, Troy.
A guaranteed cash offer from Chris Lindell Real Estate is exactly what you need right now. Everyone can see the real estate market is cooling off quickly. Well, don't be one of the houses that doesn't sell. Be a smart seller and get a guaranteed cash offer today. There are no commissions, no repairs, and no open houses. Chris Lindell Real Estate's guaranteed offer puts you in control so you can sell your home fast. The economy and housing market are becoming more uncertain, and homeowners just like you want to make sure you cash in on your equity. And that's why thousands of clients work with Chris Lindell Real Estate. They have over 4,000 five-star reviews because their guaranteed offer works. You sell your home quickly, stress-free, and move when it's convenient for you. Just go to chrislindahl.com for a free, no-obligation, guaranteed cash offer. It's available 24 hours a day. They'll make you an as-is cash offer on your home fast. Whether it's a total fixer-upper or in perfect condition, Chrislindahl Real Estate's guaranteed cash offer is the easiest way to sell your home. To find out what your guaranteed cash offer would be, go to chrislindahl.com right now and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. Get $250 when you switch to a Royal Credit Union checking account. Switch to Royal's smart checking account and enjoy no monthly fees or minimum balance, free mobile check deposits, and surcharge-free access to over 40,000 ATMs nationwide. Getting your $250 is easy. Open your Royal checking account, receive two payroll direct deposits, and you'll receive $250. See details and open your account by November 15th at rcu.org slash checking bonus. Insured by NCUA. Plenty of time some, for some more questions. Much, we had about 15 minutes left in the show. Uh, 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 feel uh, free. Just there missed we a go. call from Vinny, so he obviously isn't paying attention to know we're in the middle of a no, podcast. Well, same, yeah, same thing. Right. Yeah. How what's are you? Good. What's your favorite wild player? Who's Wait, what's your name? Carter. Nice. How old are you? Six. Wow. That's well, a who's great your question. favorite player? Well, mine's Kirill Kaprizov. All right. That's a good one. Nice. I hate to say, uh, you know, who my favorite players are. I don't want them to be really upset with me. Um, but uh, I don't know. Um, it's hard to pick against Jared Spurgeon for me. I've, I've known him the longest out of anybody on the team. He might be the nicest human being I think I've ever met in my life. Um, and, uh, and treats uh, the media really, really respectfully. Uh, he's the ultimate, ultimate role model. Yeah, he's there. They really have all their guys are great people but yeah. i like marcus felino because we got our hair cut in the same place once last year um, all right is that okay yeah all right perfect and also can i get your autographed yes you can although i don't have a pen we'll get you a pen all anthony right. um yep. yeah somebody's got a pen here i'm sure nice oh, okay. oh there we go i think uh right right on your forehead <laughs> oh perfect oh, no, very your cool. brother's name is wes all right wow. how old's your brother and is he busy tonight? He's not the biggest LaPanta fan. Yeah. He likes Corey Provis. Yeah. Who's your favorite wild announcer? <laughs> Definitely right, Joe O'Donnell. Answer. Joe O'Donnell, 100%, right? Yep. There you go. Yeah. Very cool. Question. Thanks again, everybody, for coming. Doing. Yeah. Todd Great. Hanson from Woodbury. So, uh, Anthony, I follow you on Facebook, and uh, I want you to know that you could easily be a professional chef. This guy, when he's not working games, he's making six-course meals every night. And if you're followed on that, food looks phenomenal. Yeah, so, it, most of it's purchased at Kowalski. I so see it's, that, the it, meats, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that helps. The, having the best food helps. There's no question about it. But yeah, Your meals yeah. make me hungry just watching you. Oh, well, thanks. Pretty we have talented. a lot of fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, need to, we need to honestly stop with all this Anthony LaPanta <laughs> praise. <laughs> yeah. on the, like, 
I mean, I, clearly you stacked the audience tonight. <laughs> this is your neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> this question's for Anthony. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, uh, when, when is uh, Suter and um, uh, Parisi off the books? Is that this year? Uh, two, two years. Uh, well, two I mean, the, the big ones are off the books in like two. eight years. Right. So, but two yeah. years of, penalty, can, of significant yeah. penalty. And they can start like, maybe purchasing yeah. other players a little bit. And, they have 1.6 million and uh, going on, you know, for till 2028 or something. Yeah. You know, it's the really next interesting. Two are 14 million though. But actually, let's talk about that a little bit, Anthony. Like uh, Parisi right now is not officially retired, and he hasn't signed his papers. But he is not reporting to Islanders camp. And let's be honest, this is why they made the decision to buy him out. Like they were right. worried if they traded him to the Islanders. Um, and he retired prematurely that they would de be dinged with cap recapture. So right now, if they had traded him to the Islanders and he was retiring, the wild would have to get rid of a seven and a half million dollar player right now. Like, like it, not only a seven right. million, like, cause you couldn't plan yeah. for it. Yeah. And, right. and, uh, and that's, they wanted the cost certainty. So I think we are seeing finally a little reality check of what could have happened had this, ha had this happen. And I would wonder if it was the same thing, if he was just saying, I'm not ready to go to the, the, uh, the Islanders, how the league would have handled this. It would have been interesting. And it, it was, I read Lou Lamarillo's quote this week saying might be something there later in the season, but for right now, Zach's at home in Minnesota and not going to play. So, it, you know, the, we've talked to Billy Guerin about this a couple of times and he's really tried to make it clear and remind fans that just because in two years they've no longer have to be 14 million under the cap. It doesn't mean they can just go out and spend an extra $14 million because that's going to coincide with Kirill Kaprizov needing to be re-signed. Some of these other players that are going to have to be re-signed. So a lot of that money is going to go to keeping the core that they have right now. There will be some extra, there's no question. And they they will be able to, they'll have some flexibility, but it isn't going to be like, Hey, now we can just go out and grab the most expensive player on the free agent market. I'll tell you what, I was just, I was interviewing uh, Leon Dreisaitl last night in Vegas. And uh, he's one guy that, I mean, they're going to figure out a way to uh, sign him, but he's one guy I'm just like, no, that would be the that right move. You know, two but, years from yeah. now, his contract ends. I could cover that guy in a minute. Like uh, he is, he is one of the smartest, most eloquent, most humble athletes. He talks about players. Like he talks about Connor McDavid, like Connor McDavid is like, you know, like, is like head and shoulders above him might be at a minimum number two in the league. Like he is so underrated because he plays with that guy, but he scored 12 goals in the playoff, 13 goals in the playoffs. I mean, he is a, he's a heck of a player, man. Yeah. So I was also reading where uh, if Parisi retires, you might go to Udina for his assistant. Is that true? Or have you heard the same? Udina, yeah. like what to coach? Yeah. As an assistant. Yeah. Well, if you were to retire, sense. that's, you know, kind of it, but, is I mean, he's not going to just know. be out of hockey, that guy. Right. Is he Mike lives McDonald's still at the program? So yep. I texted with him today, anymore. actually. Um, oh, okay. Yep. I, I was on this group text today with Bill Guerin, him, and Keith Kachuk, and it was like every text was funnier than the next. Right. Um, so, uh, but yeah, he's he's back. I mean, Mike Padano right. lives in Minnesota now for the That's first awesome, time since yeah. 1990. Yeah, they were talking about him being a much more visible part of the organization yeah. Yeah. now that he's back here sure. full time. That'd be great. Great addition. Yep. No doubt. Appreciate thanks. it. Yeah, thanks for coming. Todd, right? Yep, thanks for coming. Question. Name, social security number. <laughs> Hi, my name is Aaron. I've um, got a question about Bally Sports. Are they going to be watching this year on Bally Sports? Yes. It, yes, you will. And it's the, we just had our meeting with the Wild this week to discuss some parts of the partnership. And it's, but yes, at this point, 
the games will be on Valley Sports again. There will be an app that they are rolling out. I think, I think they said next week that is a it's a new different company that created the app. So I believe there's a there's a streaming package that would be for like the winter sports for Valley Sports North, where you'd get Timberwolves and Wild. And I don't remember what the rates are for this, but there's a monthly one and there's also a season one. So I, I know, yes, we are going to be with the wild this year. You know, every, really everything is still up in the air with our twins rights deal was up at the end of this season. So we'll have to see. And, but the, the company is, is maintaining our partnership with the wild for sure through this year. And then anything on Addison? No, no. uh, absolutely not. At least as of, uh, today. So, um, uh, I mean, camps, he's still got some time. He's players report Wednesday. We saw last year, two years ago, last year, two years ago, the Kirill Kaprizov signed on the eve before camp. So that happens. We've seen it with Fiala before seen it close with Nita Ryder. Um, but right now, I mean, they want more money. The wild have no negotiating ability here. Uh, really, if, especially if they want to have a 13th forward or be able to afford a 13th forward at times this season. So. Um, you know, as Anthony and I have talked a lot on this podcast, it's not up to Kalen Addison and his agents to sit there and, you know, uh, I almost used a term that was, that was again, inappropriate. Beeped. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's you not just say not, earmuffs and then you can say whatever you want. Isn't that what the way um, it works? That's why they don't ask for my autograph because I'm the gutter mouth, the right. two of us. Um, so they like the you know it's not their job to sit there and worry about the wilds cap situation, but the wilds cap situation is it is the wilds cap situation, and there's just not a lot of negotiating power here, and so he's he's got little leverage. They need him as much as he needs them, but he needs them. Like uh, you know, he's got to get his, you know he scratched 19 of the final 29 games last year and all six playoff games, and so the, the, you know he's got to get you know to me have a big year. Uh, you know, understand that they're going to put him in a position to succeed because he's going to quarterback the power play. If he has a huge year, he's going to put himself in position to either get paid here or, or they move him and elsewhere. So, I my gut says that at some point here in the next little while, he gets a contract a little below, you know, one year deal, maybe below a million, uh, something like that. So, what was your first question again? Oh, Bally's. Bally's. Um, yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask. I'm going to need a username and password from you for that. For the Bally's. Yeah. App. To make up for the yeah, five, for six years of you <laughs> sharing Margot's athletic, athletic subscription. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really it's tough because when she's in the middle of an article, it just keeps popping up as do you want to resume. <laughs> What's your username and password to say it on the air? Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I have one. I'll, if I get one, we can talk about it. Yeah, maybe the next time you're Username on the intermission Anthony show. Username Anthony Lapanta, password annoying. <laughs> uh, question: Ryan Reeves jersey. Look at that. Nice birthday present. Very good one. Um, so my name's Emily. Um, I was just wondering if what you guys are excited about with the PWHL. Um, I talked to Natalie Darwitz today too. I'm sitting down with her uh, later this month for a big feature. Obviously they got the draft coming up September 18th. They got the number one pick in the draft. I think we all know who they're going to take. Um, I was just out in Vegas uh, with, uh, we call him Senator Brant Feldman. He's uh, an agent that represents um, pretty much every women's hockey player out there. Um, represents uh, Panic, who was the first ever PWHL uh, uh, player that, that signed with the with well with Minnesota. Um, be interesting what the what this team is called, but 
I think it's really cool that they have one league. I, I, I think it's very important that the NHL teams support these, uh, these six teams. Um, you know, I talked to so many different players at the NHL media tour in the last couple of days from Anders Lee to, I mean, the, all of them that just, you know, point out that, that these women that work as just as hard as them and deserve to be played professionally. So, um, it'll be, I think it'll be really good. And the growth of women's hockey has been so big in Minnesota and it's, it, it's been incredible to watch. I've been, a, I've been watching it basically from the start. I called the state tournament the first year the girls played in the tournament and to watch what it has become now at all levels is amazing. And I know the wild are really supportive of it. I know they're talking about trying to figure out a way to get at least play some of their games at the XL energy center and all that's yet to be determined, but there's a lot of details left to be worked out, but I'm just excited that they figured out a way to get it done. Yeah. I think they have the perfect person running it too. And now you're with, so hi guys. Real, hey, how are you real quick? Uh, my name is Bob. Um, uh, Thanks for doing this. Your, yeah. uh, your podcast is much different and better than that other one that I won't name. But uh, I just had a real quick question. Uh, we get less downloads, all right, Brandon? Yeah. <laughs> but more stake for the listeners. That's true. Do you know of any player on the team that is not in town and not skating? No, they're all here. Okay. Yeah, all every right. single one. Very yeah. good. That was it? Yeah, every, everyone is here. Um, I mean, even guys like Addison Shaw has been on the ice. Um, but guys yeah, like I've Addison seen those guys at a couple Twins games. Addison yeah. and Mason Shaw together. Kyle Rao was with them one night. But it's I've seen those guys. They, they've been around the cities all summer. Yeah, absolutely. Question. Hey, uh, Bryce here. Um, Say Royce. Royce? Bryce. Oh, uh, Bryce. Ruby. Yeah. Right. Um, do you know who kind of makes the end decision with the goaltending situation? In, In terms, terms of, of who, who plays starts? every night? Every night when... When one goalie kind of shows he's in a slump or not, not in a slump, but, you know, not playing up to expectations. It's a collaborative staff decision each night. Okay. And I, I but know Freddie Shabbat, the goalie coach has a huge, he say. has a huge voice and, but everybody has a, an opportunity to weigh in because it affects yeah. the whole team. And they, I know oftentimes they'll say like, Hey, we don't think past this game. We just think about who gives us the best chance to win tonight. And a lot of times that's true, but they also, they do look ahead a little bit and say, all right, if we're, we've got four games this week, we know they each, we want them each to play two. There's a lot of thought that way into it. And, and this night we're flying in, we're landing late. Maybe this would be a better night for him to play than him. And there's a lot of factors they take into play. And sometimes it's a, an opponent against whom they've played well, an arena in which they've played well or poorly. So th- there's a lot of factors. Yeah. And um, I mean, the final boss is always going to be Dean on everything. You know, one thing I, I, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I assumed all along that it was Bill Guerin that made the decision to start flurry in, in game two last year. But I mean, I, the one thing I definitely learned in the last month, month and a half, that was a Dean decision. They talked about it. But Dean was the one that came up with the initial idea to play Flurry in Game Two. Not that they would have won if Gustafson had started, but I still—it's one of those decisions. I, I just, you know, I never agreed with at the time, even going into it. You know, so awesome. Yeah, I think uh, I think a, a few Wild fans thought that too. Yeah. Um, Especially was after that, the outcome. I mean, that was a no-win well, situation for that, Flurry, though. I mean, it's always hindsight twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, do you know like? And this is looking back again, hindsight twenty twenty. But when we got Flurry and Talbot, we still had Talbot, and he was like kind of going on a run there late in the season. And then they 
was that because of like I think I heard there was like some deal between like the Wild and the Blackhawks for uh, one of like one of the pick situations or something like that with Flurry. Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with a pick. I just think they looked at it as we're getting a guy who has been a part of three Stanley Cup yeah. championship teams, and I really think they thought if we start game one and let's assume you lose the first game, would you rather lose it with? Cam Talbot playing and a three-time cup winner sitting on the bench or with Flurry in the net and say, we went with the guy who's been here and done it, and now we got the other guy ready to come in. I, I think that was more what they thought about. Yeah, and um, but when they made that trade, I mean, one, one remember, yeah, Fleur, at that point, Talbot, he went 15 straight at the end of the season without a, lo- a regulation loss. But at that point, and he did win, I think, three or four in a row going into the trade. But before that, he was in the tank. And their goaltending situation was near the bottom of the league, save percentage-wide. Kakinen was getting shelled. So they, that's the one reason why they went out after him. Now, do I think that when they made that trade and he was willing to waive his no-move clause to come to Minnesota, that there wasn't a handshake agreement saying to him, you're starting in the playoffs? 100%. Because that was why, otherwise, he would just stay in Chicago. He wanted to go someplace he knew he'd be the guy. It would start. And so what happened at the end is that, you know, I think flurry was, you know, and I think evidence of that is last year, they went with the guy in, in Gustafson who probably warranted more being in the net. And so I think that's what, that's what happened there. Well, thanks everybody for coming on out here. Hopefully everybody yeah, loved the crowd. corn. We got a, a Vikings game here in uh, 15 minutes. We're all going to Anthony's house to watch that. Uh, he's doing Troy's Sunday. coming over to cook. Yep. yep. Uh, he's bringing a bunch of shrimp and corn and, turkey burgers and sh- and uh, steak and everything. So, uh, again, September 21st at LC's at 7 p.m., back to 7 o'clock. Troy, thanks for doing this. Thanks for everybody well, thank here you at Kowalski's. Thanks to our incredible sponsors uh, on the from the Aquarius Home Services studio on location at Kowalski's in Woodbury. The Aqu- thanks to Aquarius Home Services, your installers of Connecticut Water Treatment Systems, Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, uh, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, Kowalski's, of course, and uh, Royal Credit Union. Thanks, everybody, for coming. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never going to win. Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner. Username Anthony LaPanta, password annoying.